welcome to Indented, the English department's podcast here at UW-Green Bay. I'm your host, Rachel Sankey, a junior earning my BFA in writing and applied arts as well as English creative writing. As the world has taken a huge turn in 2020 due to COVID-19, Indented's theme for this semester follows along with it as we talk about what is getting people through the pandemic. On today's episode, we will be discussing letter writing with our guest Matthew Seapress and how letters have become a more popular mode of keeping people connected as we are living during a time where it's much more difficult to do that. Seapress, I'm super excited to the show today. <laughs> We're excited to be here, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, especially on my first episode of Indented. It's kind of nice to have someone who I have known for a very long time, which is... Number one. The number one. Yes. (laughs) So, um, Seapress was my high school creative writing teacher. He's the reason why I um, have chosen the career path that I have and the major that I have. Um, And he also has his own lit mag that his students create every semester called Point of Convergence is really cool it is (laughs) yes it's very cool i've been a part of it very cool but um i wanted to give before we got into like talking about letters and all of that i wanted to give like a quick backstory the actual idea of doing an episode of letters came to be um because of course there were like other things but the main thing that spurred from it was the project that you and i did this summer so um Back when quarantine first started, like March and April, and everyone was locked up in the house, you and I were exchanging a lot of messages about, um, like, how school's working for you and your students going online and how it's working for me. Um, And we were talking about kind of, like, how to stay connected, because at the time you were... You you were going back and forth on whether you guys were even going to go through with Point of Convergence, if I'm correct? 100% correct, yeah. It was completely... I mean, like everybody had basically with every element of school at that point like everybody was kind of on their heels and there wasn't anything that anybody could have done at like a management level to make that any better it was just okay everybody's going home and how are we going to make anything actually happen and it was very much like day-to-day learning as you go and taking the tools at your disposal and that came down to point of convergence too where i went through certainly with you and then kind of like a handful of other graduates who were out there who had still very strong ties to the project. Um, but I was reaching out to as many as I could, you know, in those existing channels to say, can how do you see this being possible? Can we do it? Should we do it? Reaching out to colleagues, reaching out to existing students, like really trying to figure out how to do it. And it ultimately did happen, but it was like very tumultuous for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I totally like coming from working with Sheep's Head Review on campus, which is our like journal of the arts. I know we, we knew that we could still get the journal done because we were far enough into like production and going through submissions that we could do that. But um, it was definitely like, we'll do, we just do an online version, which we did end up doing. We published our first online version, but um, we also did the physical, which we actually just got in. Um, But I remember when we were talking about that too, we were talking a lot about like community outreach. So if we're, if you guys aren't going to do point of convergence, how can the students get involved within the community that brings some sort of sense of like togetherness? And so then we had talked about um, 
we got more into like, hey, we both we both like to write letters. It's a great idea to do right now. So why don't we try this this for the summer and see how it works and if it's like effective or not is how I remember it going. Um, and so we started that. And for those who don't know, like we Matt or Cypress lives in Wassa and I live in Weston, which is only like 15 minutes away from each other. And especially since we talk on Twitter all the time, it's super easy for us to just be like, Hey, what's going on? And we were like, no, we're going to save all of these like big things. And when we talk about the letters, so that is how the idea of letter writing came to be and why we thought it'd be a great idea for the podcast. Cause it definitely takes like a different approach to keeping connected during the pandemic. So um, I do have a couple questions for you, C-Press, if you're okay with me asking them. Ready. Okay. <laughs> so before we get into like more about how we did the letter writing project, um, I kind of wanted to know if you had ever had a pen pal when you were younger or had to write letters because um, I know a lot of kids had done that when they're younger and I wanted to know if you enjoyed writing them and if why or why not you did. Yeah, I've I've always really enjoyed writing letters. And I think like a lot of people, certainly my age, but I don't think I think you have to be like a certain age for this to apply is like the joy of making and sending mail and then that coupled with the joy of receiving mail. Mm-hmm. Like have I have these very faint memories of like kind of middle elementary years where teachers had established for us like some sort of pen pal project, whether that was with kids in another school in our district or a district outside of kind of our immediate geographic area. And then, I mean, I, I'm of the age, I'm 41 years old, where I remember Mrs. Wheeler in sixth grade sitting us down and taking like taking our whole class to the back of the classroom where we had one computer. And she turned it on and she said, okay, there's a way in this computer where we have it hooked to a telephone and we are gonna send a letter through the computer to a class in Australia and it was like <laughs> we live in the future this is incredible and it was like it was email it was like the super duper early stages of email and we sort of had this like class correspondence that way that was kind of pen pal-esque and I just yeah. remember that feeling completely magical of course um and it was super cool and that like definitely it was electronic but it had that pen pal letter writing energy to it um, I was the kid who sat in his living room when I was probably 10, 11, 12, something like that, and wrote to baseball players who I had their cards, their baseball cards, and wrote to them and asked for autographs. And I remember that's how I learned how to spell appreciate properly because I wrote <laughs> it over and over and over. And loving the ritual of folding the note and making sure the baseball card was protected inside of the folded notes. And my mom setting me up with like, here's the nice paper and here are the stamps and here are the envelopes and here are your cards, like loving all of those components too. And it just feeling, and I got some responses, like some of them were like, here's a scrawled note from this baseball player. Here's just, you know, a very quick Sharpie signature on a card. A couple of them, I actually got a letter back from that person. And it was so like magical to receive that. So like that has been like the foundation part of that, of that's been my part of my life for a long time. And I've, I always, I think of, you know, my brother, obviously, my brother, mm-hmm. Michael, and he and I talk about it a lot, too, of like the power of correspondence, how we always want to be the best correspondence we can be, and that letters as a physical form are such an important avenue to be able to do that, especially now, because you have more communication channels than ever. Like you said, like, 
we live physically 15 minutes apart from one another. It's yes. not <laughs> all this distance between. And we have Twitter and we have DMs and we have text messages and we have email, but still like postal letters as a thing carry a very different energy. I agree. And it's like, I agree with you about that magical aspect too. It's like Christmas day when I open my mailbox and I get to see that someone has reached out to me. Um, even so I recently moved into my own apartment in Green Bay and my mom is going through her like empty nester syndrome right now. And I get, I've gotten, I've been here for about a month and I've gotten two cards from her already. And they're just like, hey, I love you. I hope that you're going to have a great week. Like, I miss you and I'm proud of you. And those are things that she could very easily send to me, you know, on a text. Um, but it's just different to be able to see her handwriting. And, of course, handwriting that I've grown up seeing for the past 20 years of my life and stuff. And um, to get that is really special. So, but I think, too, pen pals are more, like, they still... A lot of adults and teens, I think, still do them too, especially right now, because I know that um, right behind where I live, there's a coffee shop. And inside that coffee shop, there is um, like a little vintage um, shop called Sparkhouse Vintage. And the owner there, her name's Kelly. She's super sweet, um, knows that I am a writer and that I'm studying English and and such like that, because before the pandemic, I could go in and talk to her. (laughs) But um, she reached out to me and she had said, hey, um, a friend of mine and I are planning on doing this pen pal program where you guys can send like postcards to each other. Are you interested? Um, and, and I was like, of course, yeah, sign me up. That's such a great idea. Um, and I just got us like assigned to the girl that I get to re- correspond back and forth with. And she's in Iowa. So I'm super excited to start that. I haven't written her a letter yet, but I think it's just so exciting to be able to be like hi this is who I am and get this like physical piece of like history in the yeah. mail almost yeah. when like um, you you put it perfectly like I th- like you said with your mom's handwriting like that there are these indicators these signifiers these things that like only that person can put in that way and it part of it is the the absolutely like the handmade aesthetic of it um you know anybody can use the same heart emoji but like when you make the thing with your hands there there's a different charge to that for sure and it and it's it is more personal because a, a person made it <laughs> you know um and just like a project like that like you just described i i would want in on that first of all and to be able to know that it's this person that you've sort of had like a like there's someone in between that's sort of vetting it and helping you make the initial connection, but then you're both excited for it and want to correspond that way. And it's it's so great. It's such a great way to spend your time. Yeah. And I think it's great all the time, like pandemic or not, but I feel especially now when you don't have as many ways to like see each other, you know, because before the pandemic and even like when I started going to college, you know, when I was on break, you and I would meet up and discuss writing stuff and be like, I need to brainstorm some ideas for my classes. Or I'm like, hey, I'm doing this project with my, you know, with this class. What do you think about it? And, you know, we can't do that now, which is really difficult. Um, And of course, not just for like people who are in English and stuff, it's just with everybody, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that people have had to give up in order to stay safe and stuff. And so I feel like letter writing has become so much more impactful. Um, Not that 
like things like Zoom or Twitter aren't impactful because they've been a great way to keep people connected right now too. And especially like being able to still have this face-to-face interaction with you, even if we're in two completely different spaces is great, but there's something way more special and intimate to know that someone sat down and spent this time writing out a letter to you, you know, folding the paper up, like you said, and like the trifold and then sticking it in the envelope um, hopefully not licking the envelope with COVID, but like using some water um, and then st- and then sticking, you know, the stamp on and putting it out is just this completely different experience. And I, we talked a little bit before about how it's a piece of history, but especially right now, like we are just living in this huge historical moment and to have this like physical, hey, this is what I was doing during this time because message, you know, things on Twitter or any sort of social media can get erased very easily. And with this, it's like, all right, here's this physical thing that I can hold on to yeah. forever. You know, so. of those did, I, I think it was like John Stewart. I want to say was the first one I heard this from in one of his early books, you know, comedy books, of course. And he was, you know, there's a joke in there basically about will they, will they keep the emails of like the correspondence that they would have kept like civil war correspondence or are those digital communications ultimately pretty ephemeral? And yeah, I mean, there, there's some sort of digital stamp on everything, of course, and you can always find those things in some nook or cranny, but like, I think you're right. Like the, as you were describing it, I think it's so indicative of the series of choices that a person is making when they choose to communicate and correspond that way, that there's the choice to put down a phone or step away from a laptop and go to pick up paper, even if it's like super basic paper, like loose leaf paper, whatever, whatever you got, right? To sit with that and to sit in a chair and to engage in that ritual again, you know, to to hand write the thing or to get a great vintage typewriter and type the thing that way. Cause we love a vintage typewriter. We love a vintage typewriter. <laughs> the stamp you choose, the envelope you choose, the, the sticker you put on, like it's such a great combination of personalization and I think you're right, like people get weirded out sometimes by the word intimate. And I think it's more indicative of like, I thought of this person in this way and I made these choices for that person. And I correspond that way with as many people as I can. And like, I think of it, with, obviously with you, it's with former students, like a lot, like this great handful, this great community of former students where they're going on and they're doing all these wonderful things. And they're they're going to this next phase of their life and we maintain a connection. And it's so great to see that next phase. Like, you know, there is that sort of weird, it, it, it doesn't charge the same way, of course, like, but like the emptiness comparison, like watching mm-hmm. the fly away, like it's so cool because you get to see this next phase and then to then re-engage that way and continue good communication in all those ways and to pick the right channel for it. In this case, it being a letter, it, it's so, it's so wonderful. <laughs> it's such a great thing. It's very comforting, too, because when when you talk about how like you you've had, you know, students, you know, such as me or, um, you know, other students in the past that have moved on and are making great impacts elsewhere. But it's also like not that the students get empty nester syndrome, but I remember when I graduated and then, you know, started at college and I was like, where's, you know, you just you sometimes you grow to have these very strong connections between teachers like you and I have had and you and other students have had. And I remember um when I got my first apartment as an adult and I was still in the area and receiving, um, I I received a letter from you 
with the with the field notes in it. Um, but it was from when we had done the uh, memory garden project, like art booth at Marathon County. And I remember just seeing your handwriting and it was like this very comforting thing. Cause that was, you know, I saw your handwriting on the whiteboard every day for two years and then to go and not kind of like this piece of, you know, I got to be super nostalgic for a second and be like, remember all of these great memories that we had and like how my life took this such different, you know, turn than I thought it was going to take when I was in high school and didn't really know what I wanted to do and all of this stuff. So and I think there's a lot of vulnerability with that, with writing letters, too. Even now, when we did our project over the summer, they were just some more, like, personal topics that I wouldn't just shoot you a message over Twitter and be like, hey, I'm feeling, you know, I have, like, questions about this, this, and this. Or I'm struggling with this and this and this. And I wouldn't just, like, text you about it. But in a letter, it's almost like you kind of get to open this little part of your heart and be like, okay, hey, I'm struggling with beliefs on this or I'm struggling with this whole pandemic or whatever it is and to get a very thoughtful and open response back is something completely different than you shooting me a message and being like hey I've been feeling the same way or hey let's talk about this and it's just very again like that intimate aspect but not you know people again can take that word the wrong way but it's just a very like it's almost like two souls kind of like opening up to one another you know what I mean so like you there's something about that form of communication that it's not like it requires an existential crisis because it doesn't but like when you are going through the bigger heavier stuff and you're i feel like both you and i through that correspondence were a lot of times trying to make sense of one of the weirdest times certainly in like our history like just in our personal timelines but also like in human history like you are you've said it a couple of times you know, and i i think it all the time of like you we are living in this moment in time that will be studied in some way and in hindsight it will be one of those things where i, I like to think 20 years from now i will have students who will look at me and go what was it like to teach during that like oh my gosh and to think about that and really try to use letters as just one means of capturing the answer to that which is like this is what it was like and this is what we were making sense of and that lets you grapple with the big things, you know, while also still like writing about like, hey, man, we're going to get a dog, too. And that's kind of exciting. <laughs> like, you, can, you can those things can mutually exist in that form of communication. I agree completely. Um, and yeah, and that letters aren't especially just for existential crises or crises either. But um, I agree. And again, I, I keep falling back on this history, but you think about it now and if you know, hopefully again, 20 years down the road, whether, you know, whatever career I'm doing or if I have kids and if my future kids come up to me and be like, what was it like? Or, you know, what were the feelings you were having? And, you know, you kind of forget some of that stuff over time, you know, that, you know, how you're feeling at that time. And for me to be able to go in to a closet, pull out a box of the doors of the letters that you and I had went through or that, you know, me and this future pen pal are going to go through and be like, well, here's how I felt exactly at this time. And it's engraved in ink forever. And no one can take that away from me now. And to just be like, this is this is what was going on, I think, is a very, like, physical and impactful thing and we'll not. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I always, I feel like it's this extension because you and I care very deeply about notebooks too. Mm -hmm. As I would imagine, anybody who's listening to this right now is like, yes, sing my song. <laughs> like, when, <laughs> yes. Right. Like because the notebook is ultimately, at least on one level, is a conversation with yourself. 
And it's, I think a lot of times, even the voice that I write in when I'm writing in a notebook, I'm really reckoning with things in my own mind to try and make sense of them because a notebook is an act of thinking, right? So if I'm sitting there, I'm documenting that and I'm having that conversation with myself in you know the healthiest, most sensible way possible. And yeah, some of that will come out of the notebook, some of it will not, but you're right in that it is this way to capture what you were thinking in that moment. And a letter is so great for that exact same reason. And I, I think there is something to the physical aspect of it too, that the thought moves from your mind down your arm through a writing implement onto paper. And that the, we're physical creatures, right? Like as humans, that the physicality of that does something different too. And it's good to have that record. Even if, you know, like you said, when you have your own kids, and I can attest to this one, I you go back and certain stuff that you have in writing that way, you do kind of look at it and you go, ugh. <laughs> man, that was weird that I thought that, but that's also very real too. And do with it what you will, like certain stuff maybe just sits on the shelf, certain stuff needs to go in the fire and <laughs> needs to die. And other stuff you're like, I'm so glad I have this. And it's it's a complete record that way too, even if that record is ultimately only for you. For sure. And I like the the way you brought up the physicality of it too, because if we think about, like, obviously this, pandemic has affected more than just you and I, more than just writers who are sending letters and stuff. But you think about um, like people who are in nursing homes or retirement homes and they haven't been able to see their families because of the pandemic and them being so high risk. And I saw countless posts on Facebook at, you know, the beginning of this whole pandemic unknown kind of thing saying hey like they'd have the, the the cute photos of of the person and what their hobbies were and what they liked on the whiteboard and be like can you please send them letters because they're just missing so much connection that you know they might not already get enough of if they're in you know two different places and their you know family somewhere else but and to um with the physicality of it because I had written a couple of letters to some people in nursing homes and I never heard anything back and that's fine but I with the physicality of it to imagine them opening it up and seeing that someone took this time for a stranger to be like hey I know this is really hard right now but I'm here for you and I know you don't know me but like we're gonna get through this together you're gonna see your family again soon and it's like opening up this kind of hug you know you get to see this instead of sending a text or an email and saying, hey, I'm thinking about the people in this home. It's so it's so much more different. And it's very personalized, too, compared to a text message. The, um, the neighborhood my family and I live in um, is near a healthcare center. And it's like part of our regular, we can do our family walk every night. And, you know, especially during kind of, during like between March and then through the end of summer, you know, people are, were obviously outside as much as possible, outside better than inside. And every time we would walk around there, there was always some version of a family member, a small group when that was safe, you know, physically distance outside, like trying to make those communications and trying to maintain some sort of safe connection with folks in those resident circumstances. But the ones that just broke my heart every time were family members on the outside of the building pressed against the glass of where their family member was staying inside of it. And I'm just like, man, like I can't handle any more people pressed against the glass, like trying to move through this thing and the limits of that for for obviously health and human safety, but then also to go, okay, how can I help 
with this. Like, because I can't make that particular circumstance any better, but I can sit down and write a letter to a person that I don't know to, like you said, you put it perfectly. It's like this hug <laughs> that shows up in the mail and is such a great way to continue a human connection like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's so, yeah, it's just very heartwarming um, to see that. And, but also heartbreaking, like to, to have to, to have to see that and to have to see family's faces pressed up against the window. And again, and this is where Facebook and, you know, social media does come into play for keeping people connected because how would I have known if someone needed a letter if I didn't see the posts on Facebook or anything like that? But it's just like, it's a great way for people to empathize with one another right now too. And to also close, I think specifically with the idea of, you know, sending a letter to a retirement home, like obviously they were asking for anyone to send a letter. But for, you know, younger, I guess, people such as myself to almost close this like age gap kind of and to be like, I'm 20 and I know that you're much you've, you've seen a lot more life than I have, but we're still experiencing the same thing right now. And, you know, here here's how I can I can't cure I can't be the cure all I can't save you from this pandemic or, you know, get rid of the pandemic. But I'm also experiencing the same things as you. And so let's experience them together if even it's in one letter to never be heard from, like, again, it's just this, I think, connection that you're going to have forever, whether or not you either physically meet the person or whatever. Does that make sense a little bit, kind of? Well, and it's like, it's, I, I want to bring it into my classes as much as possible this semester specifically. And I have, I have one student right now who is, she works in a, in a nursing home and has very clearly intense, wonderful close connections to all her residents. She knows them all by first name. She knows the details of their lives. They talk, you know, I'm, I'm guessing every single time that she works, which is multiple times a week. And like, a I want a letter writing project, you know, in my head, I'm calling it the seniors project because you have high school seniors and you have seniors in those assisted living circumstances where you each have this thing that you can give to one another that is just part of who you are you like and anyone your age specifically or certainly my high school students age what you have is youth and you have curiosity and you have that energy that is just part of who you are right now you have this wonderful youthful energy and excitement and it's why i'm despite everything that's swirling around right now in the world it's why i'm still incredibly hopeful is because i'm watching what young people are doing in, in all sorts of facets of the world and i'm like these people are righteous and they want to make the world better and they want to address the situation and they want to do that on obviously massive social levels but they also want to do it on a person-to-person -person level if i can reach out to helen in the nursing home and i can write her a letter and that helps her through my youthfulness and through my energy that's fantastic and of course what a senior can do who is in that circumstance is they have experience and they have age and they have all of this lived history where they can say to you well let me tell you about the depression <laughs> or let me tell you what it was like to live in the 40s. Like, those stories are so valuable in that you can glean that from somebody who's lived through a lot. And when that shows up on a piece of paper, or that starts with a piece of paper and then turns into a Zoom call. I mean, can you imagine being 80 years old and somebody points a little black square at you and <laughs> says, now you can talk to this other young person and you can do it right now. And these are also the per the people who could remember what it was like before the moon landing. Like, yeah. the, the changes are astronomical, yet still the power of that human-to-human, person-to-person 
communication that, that you can't deny. And I like what you brought up about storytelling too, because, and I, there's another podcast I listened to. Um, and in one of, in one of the episodes, the, the host and the speaker were talking cause they were both journalists at some point. And so they were talking a lot about storytelling and how much it's needed. And, and it kind of blew my mind a little bit to think, cause I think too, um, I guess as a college student experiencing this firsthand, there are definitely been a lot of people who have told me the field I'm getting into isn't worth getting into, basically. Like, if you're going into some sort of arts and humanities major, you're not going to find a good job and stuff. And for to, to sit down and to hear people say storytelling is incredibly important and, and to capture this stuff and it's needed. Well, people aren't just skin and bones like there's emotions and all these feelings and stuff that go through it so this idea of both the young person and let's say the older person able to share stories or be like hey i'm young and this is how i use zoom and then to maybe or even get a letter back from the older person and be like i lived through the great depression here it is again it's that physicality and there's so many times where you hear so many things about stories being lost throughout history and for them to be able to be like well this is my personal experience from this you have that you have that forever and so i think that's super impactful and super important too so it's like the the every dayness of those stories i mean for one for these people we know these people are out there rachel these people who are like well what are you gonna do with that what are you gonna do it's like um, i don't know everybody is made of emotions and everybody is made of stories and you will every single person will move through their life dealing with those two things and you have to understand and reckon with your emotions because if country music has taught me anything suppressing them is not a good idea <laughs> and you have to find help ways to deal with them and also the stories are the things right like why do i remember my grandmother telling me about the summer when and she grew up in the city that i live in the summer where they shared a victory garden and it was this sort of like quadrant of houses that all attended this garden. And that is basically the primary source of their eating for the bulk of the summer for all these families. Wow. And it was because it was the depression. And they, like she said, aside from the time her father gave her a dime to walk down to the butcher and get a pound of liver and to bring that home. And that was the meat that they had for that month. Everything else was vegetation or gifted to them. And I'm like, Man, sometimes my internet doesn't work real good. Like, <laughs> what it gives you this perspective and hearing it from her in her beautifully told way. Like, I keep that story. And that was an oral tradition story that was shared with me, right? What I need to do is write that down. Because yeah. if I don't, that story ends with me. So I need to capture that in the right way. If only for my own family's history, not because I want to do anything more with it other than have that and understand my life a little better from that too. I love that. I love that so much. And it makes me think about um, a lot of times too, thinking about like my own grandma when she used to tell me stories and I remember, and I don't, I don't know if I still have it. And now this podcast is making me regret if I don't know where it is because I should have kept it. Um, but I had to do some sort of history project, like you know, uh, here's my family line, here's what was going on when my grandma was alive, this is what her family looked like, all of this stuff. Um, and I remember her telling me all of these stories and me just like writing them down. And 
I think that's why it's also important to write things down and hold on to them because now you can see here I am five, six years later. I don't remember. I don't even remember what the history project was like, you know, what she was telling me. But just this fact that especially now in, again, like today's world where we have all of these different kind of platforms to share stories, whether it be, you know, handwriting the letters or using Facebook, you know, younger people or even, you know, anyone who... So like you for your mom or you for your grandma, you're like almost a way to live through them now and be like, here, you know, here is the tale of what had, like, here's a tale of the garden or whatever. And I think that's super just, again, I, I keep saying it's super impactful and important, but that it is, it's very important. So. Oh, is. And like, I mean, I'm, in one way, I'm very thankful we live in, in this Marie Kondo home edit like, what do you actually need in your lifetime? Because we've all filled our lives with a lot of crap we don't need, quite frankly. But those are the things that are worth keeping. And those are, thankfully, very, like, easy to keep in one sense, right? Like, you write them down. They stay in a notebook. They stay in a folder. They stay in a Word file. They stay, like, there's ways to keep them that are, are very simple that way. And there's a lot of other stuff in your life you can jettison that really you don't ultimately need. But like those things that you keep so you are part of, like you said, a, a larger tradition and you have them, you know, and as I'm 41, right, I'm right in the middle of it all. And I can remember sitting at my grandparents' table and my grandfather telling these same stories over and over. And it was like, oh, my God, if I have to hear about Mac and the swimming pool and flying the planes for the military in San Antonio one more time, I swear to God, <laughs> like feeling as a teenager like this mind-numbing thing and now i would take one more round of that that'd be amazing you know and i remember those stories because thankfully he did tell them again and again in this wonderful way sure. but also that those are gone from him and as far as i know there is no audio recording there's no video recording they are they just live in my heart and they live in the thoughts and memories and hearts of my family and we speak so fondly of those stories now but now it becomes our job to, if only again for our own personal history, our own education, to keep those things and revisit them. And if nothing else, just to honor them is really great. For sure. And even too, when, when you talk about how today we have so many things that we don't need. I don't need 1500 candles from Bath and Body Works. That's not necessary. Frankly, I don't need, you know, the newest MacBook or whatever it is. And when I think about that and I think about, and I think this is for anyone, but especially as writers, I just think about so many like different situations about how my life plays out. Basically, it's, it's in and everyday life. And a lot of times at night when I'm laying in bed, I think about really weird things. Like what happens if my apartment was set on fire tonight and I had to take what I thought was most important to me and get out of here? Like what would I want? And immediately, I actually, I was thinking about this last night, probably because like we were going through this podcast. <laughs> I thought there is there's one card that was written to me from my grandma and sent to me um, probably when I was like 12 or 13 and she passed away when I was 15 and it was just her going through and telling me how much she loved me how proud she was of me all of these great qualities that I have and that was the first thing I was like I don't I need that I don't care if I don't walk out with my MacBook I don't care if I don't walk out with you know my gaming system or all of my candles or an antique mirror I bought it's like if I don't have this card, like the rest of it doesn't matter. And then immediately the next thing I thought about was the letters that you and I sent. Sure. 
if this piece of history gets burned and we don't have it anymore, like I just, if I can get the letters and everything that's in this, this print for me forever that I can carry on, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine if the rest of it burns up because this, this is what actually matters. Like this is what's permanent. My candles aren't, my laptop's not going to be permanent forever, you know? So. And like, that's, I mean, it always feels very dramatic and we are artistic expressive people right so it's gonna yes dramatic a little bit but i have those same thoughts like and i, I think a that's the power of writing and expression is that i think more people than give than maybe outwardly express it do feel those things they go wow if there was a fire what would i do and what would i take like and it is those kind of things because the rest of it you can replace like you care about the people who you are with right like and then it's those those things even though as you put it right you know your grandmother loved you tremendously and you know that relationship is super strong but when you hold that physical document that has her handwriting on it you are like i always feel like you're reinfused with that knowledge and it recharges you that way and you remind how you're reminded how intensely that actually how that feels and how that was and and all of that and it's just through a thing that she made marks on when i whenever i open it and i and i read it um which is quite often because I keep it in a notebook that I pretty much carry everywhere with me. It's like I, if I'm sitting on my bed and I open it, it's all of a sudden like I open it and she's just, she's sitting right there next to me. Exactly what you said, this like reigniting of, these are all the things that I love about you and I'm proud of. And the same thing with our letters too, or with any letter, like, cause I tend to, you know this, like I'm a super nostalgic person. I love to go back and be like, oh, look at all these great memories. And <laughs> and so I've read through the letters that you have sent to me throughout this summer several times. And I just like take a couple minutes myself. And when I'm reading them, I imagine, I don't, of course, I don't really know what your home looks like, but I imagine you at your desk taking the time to just write it out to me and like see what you were thinking at the exact moment you told me your family was thinking about getting a dog or the exact moment when, you know, you're struggling to figure out and the whole school district is struggling to figure out how is, how is this semester and this fall going to work with our students? How is this going to affect the seniors this year and, and all of these kind of things? So I think that. It's just like, again, it's reliving and yeah, so. Oh yeah, and it's, I think it's both of those experiences for the, the receiver and the sender are these equally powerful things. I can, I, I can tell you exactly where I was sitting when I drafted each one of those letters and what a beautiful, just delightful ritual it was to be able to do. And especially as a parent, quite frankly, like I got kids, man, like life is, it's moving with a five and a seven year old. But to have like these little pockets of time where I could carve them out and sit and and write those things, knowing that you were going to authentically receive them and being able to authentically make sense of them myself, too, was such a great gift to be able to do that. You know, It was very cathartic for me, like incredibly cathartic. It's like, again, you're releasing you're releasing a lot onto you and that I, so many people are carrying on their shoulders. And it's just, and again, I, same thing. I remember exactly where I was I, when I was writing the letters to you. I remember what candle I had lit. <laughs> I remember what music I was playing when I was writing, if any. Um, and it's just very like, but if you ask me what I did last week while I was watching a TV show or something, I probably won't even remember like what right. was and and it's so it's very it's so much more the whole idea of letter writing in general is so much more concrete because again as soon as you set the the ink to the paper and that ink bleeds 
you're started and it's permanent and it's there. And unless you take lighter to it, it's, it's, it's permanent. So, yeah. But I think too, which we don't have to touch on this too much, but especially with like the, the political climate of everything going on, this has been a very crazy election year. Um, and how there's been a lot of struggles with USPS yes. and the idea that President Trump wants to defund USPS. And I think how now that all of these people and I've seen people in general just like go out and buy stamps to support, oh. you know, USPS, which is fantastic. I also like have I have my stamps right here in my desk drawer, but how this act of letter writing and doing a pen pal program, you know, with Kelly or whoever it is, is keeping USPS running and keeping it alive. And I remember you telling me about a guy who set up a program where they sent out letters. Yes. It's kind of like a, a digital version of what you described, where it's like the website functioned as almost like a PO box in a way. And it was a hub to be able to set people up starting online, but then generate like this communication channel that turned into physical letter writing too. Um, my other favorite one right now is Vice Magazine doing a project where I got my first one in the mail the other day. They're doing a, like, I think they're going to do three altogether zines that are focused specifically on the USPS. So like part of it is historical, part of it is just kind of like, I think sort of experiential writing. Um, some of it's just a great art project and you have all this sort of postal um centric mail like art that exists inside the zine but then of course they're physically mailed out too so there's this way and it's part of what i love about it too is like yeah i'm gonna do a baller move and buy a hundred stamps and it's gonna be 50 bucks and i'm down for it like (laughs) my civic duty and support an institution that people forget just some of the facts right like a dealing with a defunding of something that's not a business that is a service and that's those are two different entities and we take for granted the magic that you take a thing and put it in a box and a person gets it and then it goes where you want it to go and it makes it in like a couple of days. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> like, and that everybody can do that. All you need is 50 cents and anybody can do that. And you can put, you can say, here's where it goes. And they, they work to get it there. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's an amazing thing. And like, yeah, I will put my, I will absolutely put money towards that, and I want to participate in it one hundred percent. For sure, I I, I love I, I love that too, and I think, yeah, it's just a, it's a great right, and I love that. Not that you you want this tension of USPS being defunded and all of this stuff that's going on with that right now, but the fact that it's almost like you don't want it to happen, but what are what a better time for it to happen when people are doing these this letter writing and they're sending out packages and they're like now is my time to support you more than ever you need it i need it and the person i'm sending my stuff to needs it like emotional stuff with the letters or sending a package and we're gonna basically like pull through this together and help support you in any way we can because again it's a service we we need you we need you for these things so um, what is more american than the post office (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. Such like, it's such an amazing American-like thing that you have this whole world that exists to do that, and you hit it perfectly. Like, all the levels in which that is wonderful. That you as a sender, you as a citizen, 
the person receiving the emotional upsides. I, I yeah, let me buy all the stamps. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think a lot of that again ties into this like when you're in such a and this kind of comes full circle with this whole idea of letter writing and that we've t- been talking about in this episode is when people are in such trying times like we are now any other time you know um and again and again like not just with the pandemic but especially right now you watch as despite like how tense this country has been especially within the last few months you watch how people come together like that and there's this community like that and whether they find that through zoom or whether they find that through facebook or sending letters or sending packages or being like hey i'm gonna i don't really write letters but i'm gonna go buy 100 stamps and support usps because this is important to me and i need it and it's just this whole community you just watch come together and i think that's what gets a lot of people through too i know that's what gets me through when i'm so doubtful about you know the state of the country the future of this you know where's this pandemic going to be in two years if it's still here and to be like okay you know what but we're all going through this and we're gonna pull through it together and work through it together and we're not alone and i think that is just very, it's a very special thing to experience in such a dark time, for sure. So, and that might be the most central part of it. I've kind of had that that thought has kind of drifted in and out here as we've been talking to of how what an incredibly lonely time this can be for pretty much everybody on all these different levels, and like how things like this, something as simple as writing a letter and maintaining correspondence in that way can address that and help bridge those gaps you know and as like a self-identifying introvert like (laughs) it is something where i can take that action and feel a connection to my friends to my family to other people in my life um and and like maybe you feel this way too i can like i can do something like i can take an action where so many other things that i used to do either are gone for the time being or dramatically reinvented and this is one where i can still act and i can do a thing and i can put some good energy into the world mm-hmm. um was there was a i think it was npr's life kit podcast which i love um they they had done an episode i want to say it was about the mail but they had at one point talked with the psychologist who had said they were talking about the idea of sending positive messages and doing positive just putting goodness into the world through writing whether it's postcards or letters. And this individual had said, repeated studies have shown that the sender of the message dramatically underestimates how important that goodwill that was sent out to the person, they dramatically underestimate how much that mattered. You know, they would say, well, I think it might be like, on a scale of one to 10, they'd be like a three or a four. And the receiver consistently would be like eight, nine, 10. Like it was always way more significant than they realized. Yeah. Which I, I'm like, well, I just got to get more postcards now. Like, yes. I can send more of this out to people in any of those ways. I've done it as a teacher now through email, through phone calls, through any means where really to just let people know, like, to let them know I'm proud of them, to let them know that they're doing a good job. I had a half hour phone call with a, with a student this morning and she is at home. She is contact traced. She is working through it and doing everything by the book to be safe and to be healthy. And like, I just let her know that at the end of the phone call and you could just hear it. Like you could hear it in her voice that it was like, it was relief, it was happiness, it was a human connection. 
for that particular circumstance, like we're working through school stuff, a phone call made sense. But like to do that through a letter and to have a physical thing that expresses that, that a person can look at again and again. Mm -hmm. What what a wonderful way to spend a few minutes, you know? I agree. And what again, like that relief, it's like you can kind of go into this bubble and be it's just with and maybe I'm thinking about this a little bit too, because we're learning about personism and major poetry right now um, with Frank O'Hara, but this yeah. idea that you can go into this bubble and it's even though you weren't physically there when I opened and read your letter, it's just you and me for those three minutes that I go through your letter and there's no one else. And there's like nothing else that matters for that three minutes. It's just like, this is what I've been waiting for this. Not that again, zoom and Facebook and social media and all that is not a genuine human connection, but this is like, this is where it all started. Like this is, this is what kept people connected before technology was even a thing. And so it's just this idea to like live through each other, basically, I think is really great. So Indented is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Phoenix Studios executive, executive producer is Ryan Martin and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek and our sound engineer for this episode is Sarah Miller. Thank you, Sarah. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Vlees. Special thanks to our guests today, Matt Seapress, and to the indented faculty advisor, Dr. Rebecca Meacham. If you haven't already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all of our shows. I'm your host, Rachel Sankey. Thanks for listening.